Hey, welcome to Conversations with my dear friend, Jeff Conway. My name is Susan. This is A Different Kind of Walk. How are you doing, Mary? I'm good. How are you? Are you awake? Mm -hmm. So, you know, you get to hear this recording before it goes out. Mm -hmm. So just feel free to say whatever you want to say. And Susan is great at editing. So if there's something you'd rather, oh, I wish I didn't say that about my dad. Yes, I can take it out. (laughs) (laughs) And welcome to another podcast of A Different Kind of Walk. Um, We have a guest today who I'm thrilled to share with you, who is our youngest person that we've interviewed, who's going to give all us old people um, some good wisdom and some things to talk about. So Mary Proctor is the daughter of Ken Proctor, who helped push me on the Camino this summer. And Mary, if I can say this, so you were in the car with your dad, is that right? And said, hey, if Jeff ever needs anybody for his podcast, I'm available. Uh, Which I loved and I thought was sweet. And then I thought about it and I thought, how great to talk to uh, somebody from a totally different generation than anybody that we've talked to. So Mary, welcome to the podcast. Say hello to everybody. Thank you. Hello. (laughs) So Susan is here with us also. Susan is on mute. Um, Hi. (laughs) So Mary, tell us a little about yourself, like your age, since I said you're the youngest, because we know you're not three years old. So just fill us in a few things about your life and your family. Okay, so my name is Mary Proctor, and I live in Maryland, and I am 15, but I'm turning 16 in a week. So. Are you really? Yeah. What's your birthday? The 25th. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. So almost 16. Wow, I didn't realize that. Because now something happened this summer. Uh, that we talked about that you had to take an exam for. What was that? Oh, yes. Um, I got my permit. And how has that been? It's been really fun. I like drive everywhere and I I think I'm really good. <laughs> so who do you drive with the most, your mom or your dad? I probably drive with my dad the most just because he like, Picks me up from school and practice, and I just, like, drive home and stuff. Okay. Oh, good. So, have you been out on any of the freeways yet? No, but actually, my parents think that I'm ready to do that, but I would just have to wait for, like, a weekend, maybe, to use my mom's car. Okay. Because your mom's car is... um, a big huge tank or because it's all beat up 
No, it just, like, has more, like, safety features and stuff. And, like, she is, like, the same height as I am. So, like, I don't really have to adjust her mirrors. Because my oh. dad won't let me adjust the side mirrors in his car. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. So, you have to lean a little bit to see out the side and, and do all of that. Mm-hmm. So, when can you get your actual driver's license? Um, in April. Because it's. Okay. For Maryland, it's 16 and six months. Okay. Okay, let me ask you the hard question. Can you parallel park? No, I suck at parking. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's hard for everybody to figure out, just so you know, mm-hmm. after years of driving, to figure out how much you have to turn to get into parallel park. And yeah. What year in school are are you? I'm in 10th grade, so I'm a sophomore. Okay. And you're going to a Catholic school, mm-hmm. and this is your second year at that Catholic school. Is that correct? Yeah. So uh, tell us about that a little bit. What what is uh, is it all girls? Is it um, fun? Is it hard? Is it tell us a little bit about school? So it is co-ed, so girls and boys. Okay. And um, I really enjoy it. Like, it is a really good school and it is like challenging academically. Oh, good. So, what, uh, what, what's your favorite class? Um, if you say math, I'm going to shave your head. It's not math. <laughs> I, um, I don't know, maybe like my religion class, actually, because I have a really good class for that. Oh, good. Well, tell us about that a little bit. It is like learning about the Catholic faith and like the Bible. And right now, like what we're doing right now is we have started the Old Testament, like Genesis, and we're like going through the days of creation and like Adam and Eve and original sin that kind of stuff and I think we're gonna start on Cain and Abel soon so it's Uh, interesting I like it oh good have you felt connected to your faith from early on or is this kind of a new connection taking a class like this before I started going to Catholic school I wasn't very like I obviously was Catholic and I like got baptized and stuff, but we didn't go to church unless it was like Easter or Christmas. So I, it wasn't something that I thought about or like really, really connected with. But then once I started going to Catholic school and like, I got into it and like, I'm learning about it and, and I like learning about it. And like now I am like also going to faith formation classes at my church so that I could get reconciliation and do my first communion, which I did. Um, but now I am taking like confirmation classes. I'm more connected to it now. So can you tell us a little bit about reconciliation and you said confession? Confession was a new thing for me. Like I was very nervous about it because like, if you don't know about it, it's like 
going into this little room with the priest confessing all the bad things you've done and like asking for forgiveness and like I am a very awkward person and I like it was just hard for me but it made me feel better after I did it like saying all the sins I've done and then asking for forgiveness and like getting things to work on to get better I'm trying to think of the word but I don't know penance yes okay (laughs) so uh my son barrett uh joined the catholic church um close to two years ago now and so he did what you did he didn't have to get baptized again because we were protestant i was a protestant pastor so he'd been baptized they didn't have him get baptized again but he went through the christian formation that you're talking about and um kind of had the a similar reaction to you it was kind of weird oh my gosh i'm going in to confess 30 years um (laughs) my life um but he came out with such joy um and release that god loved him and god had forgiven him and he'd been taught that and he'd lived that throughout his life, but having um, a person there with him affirming that truth of God's love uh, and reconciliation of relationship there was a great thing. So I, I think he also was given some spiritual practices that might that he found really helpful. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad that was helpful for you too. So what, do you know other things that you get to do in your class at school? Like recently um, for sophomores, we go on retreats. So I like recently went on my retreat to serve and to help people. Ah, okay. So, so was that on the weekend that you went away or was that during school? It was during a school day, and um, I went to a church up the road from my school, and basically there's this man that is a pastor at the church, and he runs this thing where it's like a day that anybody can come in, but it's like people who either have disabilities who can all come in, and we came in to help with setting up things and just to like talk to people and we could play games with them like we handed out snacks and waters and there was a dance party at the end and there's a lot of different things to do and it was just very cool and I got to go around and like talk to a bunch of people and it was hard at first because I am an awkward person but So now what are you saying? I'm an awkward person? I have social anxiety. So it's like starting conversation starters is not something that I can just do. And like even eye contact, it's just just right. So walking up to somebody and saying hello and hey, tell me about yourself. That's a that's a harder thing to do. Mm -hmm. So um, I think you're a pretty amazing and an awesome person. Uh, how comfortable do you feel about talking about, you know, this sense of anxiety with other people? Do you feel like, do you feel that with uh, school, getting good grades, 
doing well for your parents, not tackling your brother and locking him in a closet because he's a 12-year-old boy, which I hope you understand. 12-year-old boys are not human. Um, And I can say that because I was a 12-year-old boy. They're more like pets. (laughs) (laughs) But um, Yeah, I think you're asking is... Is your anxiety mostly social or do you have anxiety about other things like playing sports or performance anxiety, things like that? It's like, I, it's, it's not just social. It's like performance anxiety. And I just like, I get anxiety about school, about the sports I do at school. So one thing I, as I was thinking about this, I have a working definition in my mind of what anxiety is and how it feels. So I'm curious whether this sounds accurate to you. When a person encounters something in person that scares them, it's called fear. But if they feel that fear, even when the thing that scares them is not actually there, it's an anxiety. Like if you're thinking about that scenario where the thing could be around or the whatever. And so like in my own life, I'm really afraid of big dogs. I've had a lot of not good run-ins with dogs being aggressive toward me and getting in dangerous situations. And um, so on my way to walk to go get my kids from school, there is a car garage across the street from the path that I have to take to get my kids. And it has two large dogs that hang out there. The owner has these dogs um, and he never has them on a leash. And whenever the car garage is open, the dogs are just there. And sometimes they'll bark at people. And um, like, I don't trust them to stay put, you know, um, and to not, be aggressive toward me. So I will, even if I don't see them, like I will take a different route. If the guy is there and the dogs are there, I force myself to trust that he has them under control, but I like will not make eye contact with him or the dogs or anything. Like I'm so freaked out by it, but yeah, I will go around. Does that sound accurate? That does actually sound very accurate to me because like it's constant. Yeah. So when I was a kid, we didn't use that word. We didn't use anxiety. We didn't talk about that kind of stuff. I mean, my family wasn't super vocal about how we were feeling anyway. But um, so when I was afraid of stuff, I just thought of it as fear and um I have another story that's kind of a long-winded way of getting to a question about high school. But um, so when I was a senior in high school, every day on my drive to school, I would plan the safest route to get to my locker. If I parked in the front of the school, that was the shortest way. But I had to walk through the senior hallway and the kids from my youth group who really did not like me and would stare at me and glare and whisper as I walked by. So in order to avoid them, I could go in the side of the school, but it was a lot longer 
And I had to go through the sophomore hallway where I did have some friends, but I also had to go through the junior hallway, which was actually the greatest risk because there were two junior football players who actively took joy in torturing me. So, but depending on what time I got there, I could make it through that hallway before they arrived. So every morning I would have this gamble in my head as I'm driving to school for half an hour, like, okay, which way should I go? What's the, what's the most safest way? So at this point, I see that as anxiety. I'm thinking about them all the time. I'm thinking about what is the best way to stay safe. And my question actually is, I'm just curious whether high school is similar for you. Yeah, I'm. My anxiety is kind of like that too. Like I will actively avoid things just in case there's this like small possibility of like this one thing happening. Um, like I will maybe go a different way to the bathroom just so I don't have to pass the certain classroom or something. And it's mm-hmm. like, I do that a lot. Like if yeah. But like my locker situation, I my locker is literally in the middle of the second hallway. And the second hallway is like the most crowded place ever. And it's always like, how do I get to my locker without getting run over by the all those people coming this one way? And it's just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those two guys, um, there was one time that I think of in particular where they were all the way on one side of the hall. You know, it's this long hallway. They're all the way on this side of the hall where their lockers are, um, which is really close to the senior lockers. And I had already gone all the way past. I was down close to the freshman hallway. I was getting ready to turn the corner and leave altogether. You know, I'd, I'd run the gauntlet and I had been successful and it was fine. And they shouted down the hallway to make fun of what I was wearing that day. And so, yeah, it, so it just felt like I was never safe because, you know, then that whole and it's crowded, just like you said, like I, I just walked through all the juniors, all the sophomores. I was getting close to the freshmen and like everyone looks at you, you know, that is my worst nightmare. So, yeah. Um, anxiety. Does that come up when you're at church and you're talking about being in that formation class do you have the opportunity to blend these two together your faith knowing that you're loved by God and the issues with anxiety do you get an opportunity to bring that up at all and talk about that or is that so in that class I definitely think there's like been opportunities for me to do that but um, my anxiety and depression is just like a hard topic for me to talk about to like a big group of people like this. I'm comfortable with like this, like I'm fine doing it like this. But like even getting here like a couple years ago, I never thought that I'd be like openly talking about it like this. So like I definitely have an opportunity to talk about it in class. I just haven't because okay yeah okay no that makes all the sense in the world but do you feel like you are internally taking some stuff in even though you're not publicly speaking about it how to combine your faith journey with your 
anxiety? When I am in that class, I'm thinking about how like this could make my anxiety better. I'm like thinking about how I shouldn't be so hung up on stuff. It's making me think about it differently at that point in time. Is pattern good for you? Like, uh, do you do the rosary? Is that something that's calming for you or um, other practices? I definitely think like doing things as a class is like better for me than me doing stuff on my own, like being in my own head. Okay. I will say like, I've been a Christian my whole life and you know, with varying levels of or growing levels of understanding God's love for me and God's approval of me and, and things like that, you know, that has grown over time. But it just because I know that God loves me and God is with me and God cares about me, even if other people don't approve of me, God does. Like just just knowing that doesn't necessarily take all of the anxiety away. It doesn't necessarily solve the issue or make it perfect. The two can be intermingled. This kind Yeah, of- like you can, oddly enough, human beings are strange in that way. We can hold very different, like two completely opposite narratives at the same time. Like we're really good at that sort of thing. Things that don't make sense at all. So I will, like for me, I think the thing that has been really helpful alongside of my faith as part of my faith has mostly been community. It's been, I mean, like you were just saying, it's been helpful for you to do the rosary with other people. So you're not just stuck in your head. Um, That's been hugely helpful for me too, is finally getting to the place where I had a small group of trusted, safe friends and people who I could walk through life with. And even now, like my church is relatively small, small and very safe. But yeah, you you find those tools where like, okay, I'm gonna be meet, I'm gonna be meeting someone new, but it's at my house. We're gonna meet in a safe space for me. So even if there's one thing that I can't control, there are other things that I can. And it, you know, it, it makes you able to handle the new thing. So Susan and I worked together for eight years before I had to go out on disability. Um, Your dad and I met and were together for just over a week. And um, so those are two very different time periods. But I was surprised when Susan shared and when your dad shared that they dealt with anxiety. Um, So I had absolutely no idea at all. Um, Mm -hmm. And so when I met you at lunch and we got to chat, I would say the same thing about you, Um, which is kind of what breaks my heart is that there's not a sign on your forehead that says anxiety, which I don't want you to have a sign on your head saying anxiety. But um, 
for those of us that don't deal with it, it's maybe we're not as attentive to people dealing with it as we should be or could be. Um, in fact, I probably caused your dad anxiety, <laughs> Amino, because I'm the knucklehead and, you know, I'm in a wheelchair. So I don't know if it was your dad pushing me or Toma or somebody else, um, but they'd push me by a dinner table and I would just take somebody's plate or drink and say, thank you. This looks really good. Um, and I was like, ah, what are you doing? Yeah, <laughs> just... You know, just to be funny and goofy, and that's kind of my personality, which is different. You know, I, I can just walk into a room and do those goofy kind of things. Um, so preaching, standing up in front of hundreds of people at times was no big deal. I couldn't read in the fifth grade. I still don't think of myself as intelligent. And so I figure if somebody is clueless as me can stand up in front of that many people and speak well then obviously everybody can so like what's what's heartbreaking is that and you mentioned should you just be paying more attention that kind of stuff what's heartbreaking is that there's no way for you to know how other people are feeling in the conversation. Like, I don't want to say something stupid or I, I don't know you super well. So I don't know what would be the right thing for me to say to make you feel comfortable or to make you feel like you're having a good time talking to me. So it's kind of our own perception of the conversation and of the social interaction and I think for me I don't know if it's everyone who deals with anxiety like I assume that the other person is totally fine and that they can see right through me and think that I'm weird when I was a kid I would do everything in power to never show me being anxious on the outside that was very like a self-destructive point in my life. Mm -hmm. And that doing that made things worse for me because I would keep everything inside and I would try and deal with it all by myself and just like be stuck in my head. Like I would never cry. Like you would never ever see me cry. And when I would do that, it would be all in my room, like at night or something. And I, I recognize now. So it did take a lot for me to get to the point now where I am talking about it and I am asking for help and I am seeing someone about it. And like, I'm fine with people knowing and people maybe seeing like the things that I do when I am anxious. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was painfully shy when I was a kid and some of it was, you know, people who like have really great comebacks. I can't do that. <laughs> Like, I don't think that quickly. I don't have the words just like right on my tongue to just like zing. Um, and so again, one of the things that has been really, really helpful is learning how to talk about stuff. I, I don't know if it's just our society or, and if it's changed over time, I don't really know. But at least where I grew up, 
we're not, we weren't really taught how to articulate how we were feeling and to name our emotions and to just express ourselves in those sorts of ways. Cause it can be so freeing. If you're feeling a certain way, it can be so freeing to just be like, Oh, I'm anxious about that right now. Or, Oh, I'm feeling really, I'm feeling really nervous or I'm feeling angry or I'm feeling whatever to be able to speak those things out loud again. And if you're speaking them out loud, it's kind of assumed that you're speaking them to another person. So you're in community in some respect, like to be able to speak those things out loud in community and work it out is really, really helpful. Yeah. I do think that like now at the point where I'm at, even like talking about it now feels good because for so long, I was like denying, 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 like putting a mask on so that people wouldn't tell what I'm thinking and how I'm feeling. And like, just being able to do this, like, it does feel very good. So, you know, um, I am almost old enough to be your grandparent, Mary, and almost old enough to be Susan's father. So we have three generations here about. Um, and I will tell you, people have been people have been people throughout all humanity so from issues of anxiety and depression uh, to joy to whatever kind of experience people are, are, are having, they've, they've always been there. And when I was in school in the 60s and 70s, you never heard the word anxiety, mental health, any mm -hmm. of those kind of things. And I'm assuming for Susan, probably still not much in the vocabulary of people right. that is in the vocabulary of society now, as I see it, you know, even the news brings it up at times, mm -hmm. but just encourage you that, um, you know, I was one of those clueless kids on the other side of the park that thought, everybody was happy and mm -hmm. fine because I came from a very difficult home background, but I was still very happy as a person. I didn't like certain things that happened in my life, but I was happy as a person. So I just figured that was normal and everybody was happy. So, you know, came from that side. And, and I guess it's not clueless. It's just part of my personality. And I, I had to learn there was another side of the coin to things. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, just, just know some of the people that you're hanging around with are people like me uh, that are clueless. I mean, I never would have yelled something down the hallway to Susan about her clothes. Uh, I would never be mean on purpose but I'm sure I've said some ridiculous things um, that have hurt people that I've had no idea that they were hurt by that because I just thought everything was joy and fun and, and that's the way everybody lived. 
on my part, like I had a really great childhood as far as like I was safe, I was loved, I was cared for, like there was nothing wrong, but I was a really anxious and depressive child. Um, Like that is the same experience for me. And like my, it's just hard for me. I used to think your life is great. Why aren't you happy? Like, why do you feel guilty? Yeah. And I do feel guilty about it because people don't, maybe some people aren't lucky enough to have the life that I've had. And that was another big struggle. I, I'm, I, I would always think, why aren't you happy? Why aren't you living your life? And like, like everything is great. Why don't you feel like that when you have the life you've had? Yeah. As I've gotten older in it, I will say, and I, I, and I'm curious whether it will be this way for you, but for me, that has translated into compassion. Like I, I shouldn't, I can't fault my parents for me having a bad childhood. It was like me being depressive and anxious is just part of me, but connecting to the sadness has enabled me to encounter other people and connect with them and understand them and have compassion on them and to help encourage them in their sadness and their anxiety. It's helped me to be very, a very empathetic human being. Um, and that's a gift, like that's a gift to the world. So yeah, it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be a shame that you feel guilty about. It can be a tool that you use to help other people and, and care for them. And Jeff, what you were talking about with like how language has entered in how we are now talking about anxiety at a younger age, things like that, that gives me a lot of hope that when, so like my daughter's seven and she is having, she's been having a lot of just like total breakdowns before dance class. And I finally was able to sit down and talk with her the other day. And we got through like, oh, you're already anxious about this huge recital that's like a year away. But the last time, you know, she was only six and she had to stay up until like 11 o'clock at night and she was exhausted and she, and it, this was her first time on stage in front of a lot, a lot of people. And so she's already a year in advance having anxiety about this performance she's going to have to do and be so tired and stay up so late. Um, And so the fact that we can even talk about this as a society and I can, I have the words now to try to help her through it is really remarkable. Yeah, I'm so grateful that I've grown up in this time where if you struggle with your mental health, there's there's resources for you to get help. And like, it's okay to talk about it. Like, it's not something that you need to hide or anything to be ashamed of. And I'm just very grateful that that is how it is now. And it does give me hope for like the future. And yeah, it's just really great. Yeah. Susan, I loved how you used the word tool with it Um, Mm -hmm. because all of us are different and all of us have different gifts. uh, And that's what makes life so beautiful. And so using this thing that might not be fun and recognizing it as a tool 
And so Mary Proctor, how do you want me to use this, God, is, is part of the question that's out there for you. And you have a busy life, traveling for sports, church work, treating Matt like he's a human being, even though sometimes he doesn't seem like he is because he's a 12-year-old boy. Uh, there's your parents, there's driving, there's traffic, there's, I mean, I'm just thinking of all these little things that we've brought up. There's um, there's a lot going on in your life right now. And people forget what it's like to be a teenager sometimes. You have a lot of responsibility already. Being a teenager is a job, and uh, it's a tough job. Well, thank so you, Mary. Really, really appreciate it. Hi, guys. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for A Different Kind of Walk. Until next time, live well.